Have you ever been assigned a patient that winds up being not so cut and dry? Like those patients in acute care or the nursing home who have dysphagia but struggle to complete exercises or compensatory strategies because of their intellectual or developmental disability. Or the patient with respiratory failure who develops respiratory-driven cardiac arrest, gets intubated for 10 plus days, and is on a trach and vent. Oh, and he also has a history of stroke, congestive heart failure, COPD, diabetes, and traumatic brain injury. No textbook or single webinar could ever prepare you for that. But we have something that can help you get there, and it's totally free. On May 19th, the MedSLP Collective is hosting another never-been-done-before virtual summit titled Advanced Therapy for Complex Patients, a Medical SLP's Guide. Learn critical concepts with actionable steps you can take for those not-so-cut-and-dry cases. You can earn up to 0.8 advanced ASHA CEUs if you are or you become a member of the MedSLP Collective, and the recording is also available inside of the Collective. Ready to scale your clinical skills? Go to medslpcollective.com forward slash summit to register today. This is episode 209 of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Dr. Alan Shikani. He is the co-founder of the Airway Company and inventor of the Shikani Speaking Valve and the Shikani HME. Dr. Shikani is currently the chief of otolaryngology, head and neck surgery at three major hospitals in Baltimore, LifeBridge Sinai, MedStar Union Memorial, and MedStar Good Samaritan. He is also the founder of the Maryland ENT Center Group and director of its Maryland Nose and Sinus Rhinology Fellowship Program. Having personally treated hundreds of tracheotomy patients over several decades, Dr. Shikani specializes in airway management disorders and has published extensively in the field. He holds 24 otorhinolaryngology patents in his name and has successfully brought several related devices to market. Dr. Shikani completed his residency and fellowship training in otolaryngology head and neck surgery at the Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, and he is an active member of many distinguished medical societies, including Alpha Omega Alpha, the Trilogical Society, the American College of Surgeons, the American Academy of Otolaryngology, and the American Rhinologic Society. So I'm so grateful to have Dr. Shikani here. We had a wonderful conversation, and we actually ended up splitting this episode into two parts. So you will hear uh, part two next week. This first episode is just all about the Shikani speaking valve. And next week will be all about the Shikani HME. So please tune in next week for part two as well. Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, a mobile fees business owner, and founder of the MedSLP Collective. This podcast is all about delivering the latest evidence-based practice to medical SLPs everywhere. Whether you're a new clinician seeking tangible tools for treatment or a seasoned vet stuck in a rut, my goal is to help ditch the old school ways of the past that no longer serve you or your patients, to reinvigorate your passion for our field, to broaden your knowledge about our scope of practice, and to inspire you to practice at the top of your license. So if you're listening, I encourage you to swallow your pride, be open and willing to learn, because let's face it, your patients deserve that kind of care. With that, let's dive right in. Just a quick disclaimer that all statements and opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect on the organizations associated with the speakers and are their own opinions solely. Good afternoon, Dr. Shikani. Good afternoon, Teresa. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for the invite. Yes, I am so glad to do this. I think we originally met at ASHA 
three years ago, maybe, and talked about doing this. So I'm, I'm so glad we finally were able to coordinate and get things going. And, and I know this is a topic that SLPs are wanting to know more about, especially post-COVID. We're seeing a lot more of this population. So um, happy to have you. So tell the people a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I am an otolaryngologist, head and neck surgeon, uh, or an ENT doctor in Baltimore, Maryland. I trained at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. Uh, Department of Orangology Head and Neck Surgery, where I did my residency and fellowship many years ago. I'm currently the Chief of Orangology Head and Neck Surgery at uh, three hospitals in Baltimore, the MedStar Union Memorial Hospital, LifeBridge Sinai Hospital, and the Good Samaritan Hospital. I'm also the founder of the Airway Company, which is uh, a company that focuses uh, on uh, manufacturing of medical devices that improve the quality of life of tracheotomy patients. Full disclosure, I am the uh, founder and uh, chief medical officer of the airway company. Awesome. So for those of you listening, uh, Dr. Shikani also put together a wonderful PowerPoint presentation that we're going to put up on the site and also on my YouTube channel. So if you're loving this audio and you want to catch the actual visuals and the videos, I'll direct you there as well so that you can catch the whole thing because he's got some great visuals on here. But um, obviously, this is just audio for now. So, yeah. So so where should we start? Sure. Uh, so what we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about tracheotomy in general. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, devices that help tracheotomize patients speak better and breathe better and humidify better. So we'll be talking, uh, among others, about uh, the Shikani speaking valve uh, and the Shikani heat moisture exchanger, or the Shikani HME. Uh, and I can uh, get started with uh, talk about uh, what is a tracheotomy, if you like. Yep, sounds good. So as we as we all know, a tracheotomy is an opening. That's done surgically through the neck into the trachea, which is the windpipe, to allow the patient direct access to breathing. It is one of the most frequent procedures performed in the ICU setup. So about 125,000 tracheotomies are done every year in the United States alone. So imagine how many more in the world. This is a commonly done procedure and uh, does not need uh, any complicated training and it's life-saving. So They have to do it. Uh, It's done everywhere on millions of patients worldwide. Who needs a tracheotomy? The most common conditions that require a tracheotomy are listed uh, uh, in the uh, slide. Uh, Number one is airway obstruction, whether it's a tumor of the airway or whether it's an infection uh, or trauma, like fracture of the larynx, or angioedema, which is swelling of the tongue and uh, the larynx, or vocal cord paralysis, All these can cause obstruction and need a tracheotomy. The other indication is neurological disorders, such as, for example, a stroke or a degenerative neurological disorders, such as ALS or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or other neurodegenerative disorders. And then we have the uh, respiratory failure, where patients need to be assisted for respiration and ventilation. We have the group of uh, morbid obstructive sleep apnea who cannot breathe on their own. They need a tracheotomy to breathe and a ventilator. Sometimes it's done for pulmonary toilet to improve respiratory function. And finally, the most common reason for a tracheotomy is prolonged endotracheal intubation. If the patient has had an endotracheal tube for more than two weeks, our academy recommends a tracheotomy to decrease the chance of subglottic stenosis. So what happens when the patient... Uh, uh, gets a tracheotomy. So there are, of course, negative consequences. 
they lose speech and communication, which is the biggest one. Speech is very important. But also it affects their ability to swallow properly, so they develop dysphagia. They also uh, lose their sense of smell, either partially or totally. And the reason is because air is directed away from the nose, directly through the neck, so there's very little air that goes through the nose, and they don't smell anymore as well. Importantly, they also lose humidification, warming, and filtering of the inhaled air. The nose is the organ of humidification, warming, and filtering, and when you divert the air away from the nose, then you lose these important functions. So this results in increased secretions and thickened secretions, which can affect uh, the alveoli. You can get some uh, risk of uh, infection and atelectasis. Uh, and then the, that the patient will require antibiotic or even hospitalization. So what does a trichotomy speaking valve do? It does a lot to correct uh, some of these problems. So a trichotomy speaking valve is a one-way valve that opens when the patient breathes in, allowing air to go into the trachea and then into the lungs. And then as the patient exhales, the valve, which is one way, closes completely over here uh, on the opening of the uh, trachotomy tube because it's blocked by the uh, valve. And the air is redirected north towards the vocal cords so they can speak and further north towards the nose and cribriform plate so that they can smell. So this is uh, a very important contribution of a speaking valve. So there's a lot of benefits then for a trichotomy speaking valve. They restore speech and communication. They do improve swallowing. They improve smell, olfaction. They reduce pulmonary aspiration and facilitate secretion management. And they reduce pulmonary infections. And this has a tremendous impact on the quality of life of the trichotomy patient. And they reduces length of stay. And importantly these days, it saves cost to the healthcare system. There are many types of speaking valves that has been on the market. Uh, the first one was introduced by Dr. Passi, who was an ENT doctor like myself. He was from California, and he teamed up with an engineer called Muir. So this is called the Passi Muir valve, which you can see here in pink. And all these are flapper design valves. The valve is now out of patent and uh, is being copied by Shiloh, by Montgomery, by many other companies. And they all uh, depend on a flap that opens when the patient inhales and it closes when the patient exhales. <clears throat> and this is what allows the air to get redirected. Now, the Shikani speaking valve is a different mechanism of action. There's no flapper valve. There's a ball inside uh, the cannula uh, of the valve. And it's uh, designed as a ball valve design, which means and the patient inhales, the ball moves back Posteriorly allows air to get into the trachea. And as the patient exhales, the ball is pushed forward into this frontal opening and it blocks the opening, allows air to go north towards the trachea, larynx, and then the, the sense and the, 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 the nose, which gives you smell and speech. It comes in two different colors, blue, uh, for hospital beds in case the patient loses in bed, they find it easy and clear for uh, regular outpatient uh, ambulation, ambulatory patients so that it's very discreet and it doesn't show very much. So there's no no difference other than color in the two of them? 
Yes, there's only color. One is uh, uh, they want it uh, clear when they go around so nobody can see it, and they want to find it if they lose it uh, in the hospital. Now, this is uh, this is like an X-ray inside the valve where you can see uh, the uh, the components. Uh, there is a ramp uh, and a cage, and the ramp is about 2.5 degree, which allows the ball to roll over when the vo- when the ball valve is placed in the down position or the six o'clock position. There's a natural tendency for this ball to roll around the ramp and closes the valve automatically. This is called a notch down bias closed mode, which provides a positive closure for continuous speaking or for swallowing, let's say, when you're eating. In the back, there are two ramps that prevent the ball from going back into the trachea, and these are very secure. If you turn the valve upside down and you put it at 12 o'clock position, which is notch up or bias open mode, then it allows a continuous free communication of air without any effort, and the patient can speak at will. So again, there's a, this speak, the Shikani speaking valve has two-way mode of use. Uh, it is adaptable, dynamic, uh, mode up, mode down, and it allows the patient complete control on the valve and its functionality. Again, this is clear. This is blue for hospital use. It's a little video here, uh, animation video that will allow us to see how the ball uh, works. This is the outer chamber of the valve, you can see that the front is eccentric, is off the midline, allows air to go in. Here's the cage with the 2.5 degree ramp, which is a dynamic guide for the ball to be directed anteriorly towards the frontal opening of the chamber. These are the two vertical bars of the cage, and they act as a stop mechanism that prevents the ball from moving towards the trachea. So the valve has an adaptable design with a two-way mode of use, which allows the tracheotomized patient total control of the speaking valve. And this way the patient can decide when he or she wants to speak and when they want to breathe. So based on the patient's needs, you can attach the valve in two positions. This is the 12 o'clock position or valve up. And you can tell by feeling the small half moon notch or the green line pointing upward. Or the valve down or six o'clock. Again, the notch is down and the green line is down in the six o'clock position. So the patient can tell by feel or by visual whether it's up or down. These two positions have a very special importance for the utilization of the valve. When the patient is standing or sitting normally in a chair, the valve is about 20 degrees up from the horizontal. That's the natural seating of the patient. The the neck is slightly backward. So the ball has a tendency to sit backwards. And here you can see it. It's sitting posteriorly, and the opening is open. And this corresponds to the bias open or the 12 o'clock position. This provides a widely open airflow passage that allows the air to go in and go out by simply softly inhaling and exhaling, as if there is no ball or is no valve. And contrary to the flapper type of speaking valve, there is no need for a small inhalatory effort 20 to 30,000 times a day, which is the number of times we breathe, 
to open and close. This translates into less effort and easy to breathe for the patient. When the patient wishes to vocalize a slight exhalation, like we normally do when we speak, pushes the valve up, so all that's needed to close the frontal opening and redirect the air towards the vocal cords and to allow speech. Now, when the valve is placed in the 6 o'clock position or down, then the ball automatically rolls along the ramp, towards the frontal opening, allows complete closure of the valve, and this is going to be a quicker and faster redirection of air, so better speech, quicker speech, and better swallowing. Still with a slight inhalation, the ball easily rolls back and opens, and they allow them to breathe. The ball is extremely light and shouldn't impact. So this is a six o'clock position or bias closed, best suited for continuous speech or for eating. One final uh, word is that some patients like the intermediate position of three o'clock or nine o'clock, and they, allow, they learn how to move the ball inside by tilting their neck a little bit to the right or on the left. So to summarize it, we have the 12 o'clock position, which is bias open, which allows the patient to breathe and speak all the time uh, without any effort. Uh, what's nice about this position, the speech language pathologists find it uh, easier for the first time introduction of a speaking valve to the patient. This is particularly important for children who get scared when there is a little bit of, of obstruction. And then the bias close or notch down position, which close readily closes or positive closure feature uh, for continuous speech and swallowing. That's for the, how the dynamic function of the valve works, Teresa. Awesome. Can I ask you, I guess, sort of how you, I mean, I mean, I'm sure this is years and years and years of experience, but I guess, why did you choose some of the specific things you did? Like, why did you choose the ball design and the 2.5, you know, ramp? I, I, I'm always super intrigued about how that stuff goes into these decisions. Well, we, uh, I've worked with an engineer called Joseph French uh, when we started this more than 15 years ago. And the reason we did this, there was a patient of mine who could not tolerate the flapper valve. She simply couldn't breathe with them and she could not speak. And she was a therapist, actually, at one of the local hospitals. So we designed this for her and she found it fantastic. We just machine made it, handmade it for her. <clears throat> but then she 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 couldn't find a replacement. She kept on asking us, could you put a company around this and start making it, which we did. And since then, we start making it. Later on, we improved on the first generation, which did not have a ramp, by adding this positive closure feature, which we found will help even the patient more. And then since then, that's what most of the patients are telling us. This was actually a good good move because it gives them control of the valve and they like it. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Sure. So then uh, we wanted to assess uh, in the lab how good is this valve and is it true that uh, it is less resistant, less effort to breathe. We went to a test lung machine or what we call a pneumotachometer, which measures flow versus pressure. This work was done in the Technology Institute of Medicine in Gothenburg in Germany. It was a combined in collaboration with this group. And this is our test subject here. You can see the valve is here. We are measuring the pressure below the valve, which corresponds to the subglottic space in the patient. 
as as this piston moves to the right, it uh, it replicates inhalation. As it moves to the left, it replicates exhalation. So we have a repeatedly measured inhalation exhalation on the on the valve. We repeat we uh, these movements are 50 milliliter per second. We repeated each test subject five times. It's a three hour round. It's a very comprehensive test. And then this is what we plotted uh, inhalation exhalation. We measure flow versus pressure. This is pressure, and this is flow, and you get this curve. Uh, and this shows you the, the test valve on the machine. Now, here's the valve tilted downward, minus 15 degree, and then we retested it at zero degree flat from the horizontal, and then, and then at 20 degree up from the horizontal. The reason is, as I mentioned, if the patient moves his or her position of the body, the valve, of course, moves down and up, and the ball rolls forward or upward. We wanted to see the impact of the position of the patient on the ball. You can uh, uh, compare it to uh, somebody who is rolling uh, a segue. As you move backward, he tilts back and then forward and forward. This affects the position of the ball inside. And so we measured at plus 20 degrees, which is a recliner, zero degree, and minus 15 degree. So to replicate in the lab what happened when the patient moves the body position. This is the first Test result at zero degree, perfect horizontal. The y axis represent the DPHPA, which is a measure of pressure. The uh, x represent the flow liters per second. And then we have different devices. The green one is the competitor flapper valve. In this case, was a passing rear. The blue is the Shikani speaking valve at six o'clock position which is valve down, as we mentioned earlier. The uh, 12 o'clock position, which is valve up, is seen in red. And we focused on the normal breathing numbers of the patient, which are usually in between 0.1 liters per second and 0.33 liters per second. And this is where the patients, tracheotomy patients, live in this environment. And if you can see, the Shikani speaking valve, whether it's in the 12 o'clock position or whether the 6 o'clock position, has a significantly lower airway resistance than the Passimir flapper valve, which proves uh, in the lab why the patient feel this feeling of less effort and easier breathing. And then we did an analysis of variance, which is a multifocal analysis of variance for the same experiment. And we've seen now that with a statistical significance of P less than 0.001, which is highly significant, the flapper valve resistance is higher than the Shikani ball speaking valve, whether in the 6 or 12 o'clock position. Now, we repeated the experiment with the valve in the 20 degrees up from the horizontal, and we found the same. This is in blue, the flapper valve, and this is the Shikani valve in the different position, uh, 6 o'clock or 12 o'clock. And again, the analysis of variance showed a significant difference with P of 0006 uh, in favor of less resistance with the Shikani valve in both positions. And then we repeated it uh, with a minus 15 degree, which is bending forward. And this is the flapper valve in light blue. This is a uh, six o'clock with the Shikani valve. Initially, there is a little bit of effort to pull the ball valve up, and then they all catch up, and there is a significant 
lower resistance, which is also confirmed by the analysis of variance, P less than 001, the flapper valve versus the Shikani valve in the 12 and 6 o'clock position. This showed in vitro in the lab, explained uh, and confirmed the lower resistance when you don't have to open the flapper valve, uh, especially so many times per day. The patient's breathes uh, 20 to 30,000 times a day. So if you have patients on the extremes of life, they do fatigue, whether they're young or elderly with borderline lung capacity. That's for the in vivo, in vitro work. Then we can go to the in vivo work with a clinical study, if you like, Teresa, unless you have some question on the first part. No, no, I think, I think that was very straightforward. So thank you. All right. So now we went to a clinical study. We took uh, 10 patients who were randomized to try three different speaking valves. The Shiley, which is a membrane flapper valve, the Passimir, a membrane flapper valve, and the Shikani, which is a ball valve. And what we measured were the parameters of olfaction, which is smell, voice naturalness, maximum phonation, and a variety of speech-language pathology parameters called SZ ratio, jitter, noise, and turbulence, and intensity. And we also measured oxygenation at time zero, 15 minutes, and 30 minutes. And we compared the three different vowels. And we found that this is the percentage improvement of Shikani over Shiley, 28%, which is these stars are highly statistically significant. This is Shikani over Passimir. Highly significant improvement in favor of the Shikani with, with the vis-a-vis smell, olfaction, and vis-a-vis voice naturals. Also superiority in general, vis-a-vis the other general parameter of phonation as the ratio of jitter, noise, and turbulence, and intensity. But the, we didn't have a highly significant uh, p-value there. And then oxygen was the same. There was really no difference. Everybody oxygenates very well. This study was published in the International Forum of Allergy and Rhinology in 2012. The reason why the uh, ENT rhinology group are very interested in olfaction, anything that can improve olfaction, so they are very much like, this is one of the most prestigious journals in rhinology, which is the science of the nose. Uh, this is the analysis of variance, which shows the olfaction scores. And we can see that number three, which is Shikani, is highly significant uh, improvement as compared to the Shiley and the Passimir as far as smell and olfaction is concerned. Can I ask you why the why ENTs love olfaction so much? I mean, I understand why people like smelling, but... Well, you know, ENT has three specialties, ear, nose, <clears throat> ear, nose and, smell, and uh, throat. And, of course, we're covering throat because of speech, but nose is so important, and the loss of smell, smell is one of the five important uh, senses, and you lose smell, it is pretty problematic. You lose smell, you can't taste, you don't taste, you don't eat well. It has a cascade of side effects to the patient. Anything we can do to improve quality of smell is extremely important for us. Thank you. I I think that's often overlooked. Thank you. Now, what about speech naturalness? Again, this is uh, the analysis of variance. Shows a highly significant uh, 95 percentile 2K interval in benefit of the Shikani speaking valve, which is number three, versus the Shiley and the Passimir. So the patient have a much better quality of speech, in other words, much more natural. You ask the patient, which one do you prefer? 80% preferred the Shikani speaking valve because it's easier to breathe. But interesting enough, they mentioned we like it because it's small and discreet. 
and the, to to uh, to measure the size, the ball is about twenty five twenty five percent smaller. The ball valve, which is Chicano valve, is smaller than the passing mirror, twenty five percent smaller. It's one point five centimeter versus two centimeter, so it's much less visible. And the reason we can afford to make it smaller is that we don't need a big membrane to keep to open. If the the flapper membrane needs to be two centimeter, otherwise it's very hard to flex. It's too stiff. The ball doesn't need that. It just rolls in and out. So it's smaller. And they like it. They also like it because it's, uh, it's, it has better smell, but it also, it has, uh, a, a better smell and better olfaction. And, uh, it is discreet. So these are the, the, the things they mentioned. 80% of the patient liked it more. Now, the other thing they like about it is the uh, persistence of the quality of the voice. We all know from experience when we work with flapper valves that the membrane deteriorates as it's used over weeks of, uh, of time. So it starts honking or fluttering like a goose. This is the, the feeling that the patient uh, described. And this is due to the aging of the flapper membrane. Now, the ball doesn't age. It's a ball is a ball. Initially, there's a little bit of a click that they get quickly get used to it, uh, especially if they use it with an HME. At the same time, they don't even hear it then, uh, but it doesn't age, so it stays there and the quality persists. So not only they have initially a better quality from day one, but the quality persists after one, two, and three months. This is very important because Medicare covers uh, these valves for three months, so you have to wait to, to the insurance to give you a new valve. So if you can't speak well for the last months or six weeks, it's a problem. How do you take care of it? It's very simple. You clean it with mild soapy water, uh, and then that's enough, which is the way we clean all valves. Uh, then you rinse it with cold water or warm water, and that's it. You let it dry. You can also uh, use some uh, hydrogen peroxide or contact length solution, anything that can dissolve the phlegm or mucus that accumulate on all valves. We do not recommend using vinegar or bleach. None of the valves uh, are supposed to do that. We, of course, recommend to get rid of it when it's become old, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, these are uh, replaced. Uh, they are disposable items, and the insurances cover them three months for Medicare. I believe even the private insurances every two months uh, or even sometimes six weeks, depending on your insurance. They are all the same codes called the HCPCS code or HCPCS code of L8501, which is a code for any trichotomy speaking valve. They are all covered by insurances the same way whether you use Shikani or Passi or whichever one. And uh, we recommend to change it every three months to avoid the biofilm adhesion, which happens with every device that you it gets mucus on. And as I mentioned, you clean it with water and soap or hydrogen peroxide or contact lens soaps. So to summarize the benefit of the Shikani speaking valve, like all speaking valves, it restores speech and communication. Uh, it improves swallowing. It improves olfaction, it reduces pulmonary aspiration, facilitates secretion management, reduces pulmonary infection, and it does save costs to the healthcare system. In addition, it has unique advantage over the flapper valve. It has this very interesting dynamic two-way mode of use that the patient learn to control and have a and use it the way they want, and they adapt to it the 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock mode. 
It does have a significantly lower airway resistance, so it's easier to breathe. We proved that in vitro and in vivo. It's discreet, it's small, they like it, uh, doesn't show as much, and it's very important for the aesthetics of the patient who worry about people seeing their neck or anything sticking out. Uh, it has a significantly superior olfaction or smell, significantly superior speech naturalness, and generally superior speech parameters. And importantly, uh, voice quality lasts longer without any honking. There are some patients, uh, cases that I wanted to show, but perhaps we can leave this for a later time. The, your, uh, your audience can look up the video. These videos are available on the airwaycompany.com. Uh, and they can see some patients' example about their experience with the valve. Well, I'll I'll summarize uh, this by saying that we believe that the future uh, is coming, change is coming, is is ahead like everything in medicine and in science, and the future may be towards the ball-speaking valve instead of the old flapper valve, which were invented 35, 40 years ago. And uh, there's plenty of references on our website if they want to also read dig deeper into the science, and I will stop here for some questions uh, and uh, for you, Teresa. Yeah, yeah. So I know this is sort of a loaded question, but what are things that you look for in evaluating readiness for a speaking valve? So uh, that is a question that uh, is a specialty of the speech-language pathologist, of course, the SLP. Usually wait a little bit uh, immediately after the tracheotomy just to allow for secretion and bleeding to stop. And when that stops, then they can be tried on the speaking valve. You do have to deflate the cuff around the tracheotomy tube because if the cuff is inflated, then there is no possibility for air to escape between the tracheotomy tube and the trachea and go up towards the lung. So the patient has to be able to tolerate deflation of the cuff. Otherwise, it's a little bit of a challenge. There is a possibility to use a speaking valve with a ventilator uh, but then, of, care, of course, you still have to deflate the cuff because otherwise you end up with a closed circuit, which could cause pneumothorax, and you have to be very careful with that. The other thing is the patient pulmonary capacity has to be uh, ready. Uh, the first time you put a speaking valve on them, especially flapper valve, they get like a feeling of choking. Something is blocking the air passage, and they need time. They need to be coached, quite a bit of coaching and explanation and preparation. Uh, we found that at least empirically so far, and this needs to be studied further, that when we put them in the valve open position, they don't get that sense. So it helps a lot in the first introduction. Uh, and then they have to be able to sustain it, and they have to be able to uh, last, to manipulate it, to put it in, put it out. This is something that the patient has to do at home by himself or herself. They have to have you know, some finger agility to be able to remove it, put it back, clean it. Otherwise, if they cannot, they need help. Somebody has to help over that. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you sort of work closely with speech pathologists and respiratory therapists in creating this, or was it just, I hope they like it? <laughs> we, we worked uh, very closely with the rehab department. The chair of the rehab department at uh, Johns Hopkins was actually the chair of the rehab department of our hospital, Good Samaritan Hospital, which is the main rehab hospital in the state of Maryland. And then we worked together with him to generate the first valve. Uh, and then uh, with the help of the engineer, uh, Joe French. And then uh, I picked it up after that. I continued working with other speech-language pathologists uh, to, who have, whose input is extremely important. Uh, and continuously uh, going forward, we, uh, we ask for help, for ideas, opinion, how to improve, 
so we can keep it, uh, make it better on a, you know, and keep improving it. And we got a lot of good feedback actually from patients and from speech language pathologists. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I know that's always something that, you know, we, we love getting, you know, new tools in our hands and things. And sometimes we always do have feedback that can help. And it's nice to know that, you know, you do have an open door policy and that you'd love to hear feedback too, because it stinks to want to offer it and be like, no, no, our product is great the way it is, you know, so I love that you are welcoming to that. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We actually work uh, with many hospitals. Uh, our, our valves uh, use at Johns Hopkins, University of Stanford uses it, uh, Northwestern uses it, uh, University of Oklahoma, uh, children, uh, multiple children center. And I think the children uh, centers are the most interested in this. The uh, children of New Orleans, children of Stanford, children of Baltimore, uh, they all love this valve because it's easier for their children than for the, for the little kids. We also use it on infants. We also use it on elderly with uh, borderline capacity. Uh, that's where it's the most helpful. But it's also helpful on regular adult tracheotomized patients because after, after all, even if you're an adult, you have good lungs. Opening the valve in and out 20, 30,000 times a day, you fatigue. So you tend to kind of put it aside and take a break. With this one, I think it's easier. We also work with all the veteran hospitals, or many of them at least. So we 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 welcome input from all sides. Awesome. I'm think, I think this is a really stupid question, but I'm assuming there's different sizes for geriatrics, adults, and infants. As a matter of fact, it's one size. And the reason why it's standardized, it's because the tracheotomy tubes are one size. They all... Uh, have 15 millimeter coupler on the uh, side that hooks uh, with uh, on the front. And the reason why they do it this way because if the tracheotomy tube has to be connected to a ventilator, the ventilator is 15 millimeter. So they have universal ventilators machines. So they connect to the front of the tracheotomy tube, which is 15 millimeter. Of course, there are smaller tubes for the little patients and bigger tube for the adult. The tubes goes, for example, from size 4 to 6 to 8 to 10, and that's the size of the tube itself, but the front opening is always 15 millimeter. So we have one universal valve. Actually, all speaking valves are 15 millimeter, and so they can fit with uh, all tracheotomy tubes, whether they're done by Shiley, by Malincrot, by Portex, uh, you know, uh, they all should be 15 millimeters. Awesome. Thank you for clarifying that. Absolutely. All right. Any final thoughts you want to share? I think we're good with this. No, I think uh, we uh, like to uh, to tell the audience uh, that we're we would love it if they can uh, uh, try it and give us feedback if they have ideas how to improve it. Uh, we are open to that. Uh, the uh, we are a very small company. We don't market too much or anything. Essentially, I did this myself with a small group of people, two people really, two to three people here, and then uh, just to help the patients. And it's growing slowly. Now more and more people are asking for it. Uh, we don't have Salesforce or anything like this, but you can find it on the website and order it. And then uh, that is, the company is growing. You now we're on multiple places. We're in North America. We're uh, countries in South America. We're in the Middle East. We're going soon, hopefully, to the UK. But it's a slow process because we don't have, like, you know, distribution centers or anything. And you're also working. Uh, we're also working full time. <laughs> <laughs> so that it's a side thing, but uh, we find that patients 
love it, they benefit, and that's all we keep it going, essentially to help the patients. These valves are all covered the same way by Medicare, and uh, it's not they're not more or less expensive than the others. So I don't think it's an issue. It's just a matter for somebody to try it and see if this is within their comfort zone. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. This little uh, UR code helps, uh, you know, gives information. If somebody wants samples or uh, to try it, please contact us. We will be glad to send you something, and we will hopefully uh, help your, your patients. Yep. Awesome. So we'll put all of this in the show notes. We'll also put it up on YouTube. But other than that, you guys can check it out at theairwaycompany.com to see all these visuals, all the videos, get some samples if you're interested. Um, yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you. To download the show notes from this episode, please visit swallowyourpridepodcast.com. There you can also sign up for our email so that you'll never miss another episode. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and share it on social media with your friends and colleagues, because that is what keeps these episodes coming. If you'd like to be a guest, share feedback, or request a topic to be discussed on the show, please email podcast at TeresaRichard.com. Special credit to Danny V. Socrates for her amazing audio and editing skills and to Marissa Hendrickson for managing all the things behind the scenes. As always, thanks so much for listening and see you next week.